Welcome to The Art of Growth. This is Jim Zartman, and we are continuing our series on being a student of your story with our Type 3 panel. Before we get started, if you've been on this journey for a little bit of time and you've been putting some of the pieces together and learning about things, that's awesome. But if you want to put it together as a more full package, one of the best ways to do that is through a group coaching. We have two group coaching groups starting next month. One of them is called Transformational Journey. And this is for people who might be in the first few years of their journey with the Enneagram, and you need a wider look at how this is all going to fit together and what this is going to do over the trajectory of your life as you learn about yourself, as you learn to observe yourself in real time, and as you learn to establish the transformational habits that make a difference. And although both groups are open to anyone, uh, we have a second group that we recommend for someone who's been in the journey maybe a bit longer. And that's called Integration Practices, where we spend a month talking about the integration of the instincts, the three centers, and the stances. So you can sign up for either of those groups at our website, www.theartofgrowth.org. Now let's get into this week's episode with our type threes. As we continue in this series on being a student of your story, where we ask people to reflect on a moment, any moment they would go back to, and ask them what moment they would go back to and why. Some people wanted to change something. Some people just wanted to experience something again. But regardless, we can learn a lot from our stories. And so we asked people to call in, and then Joel and I responded to those call-ins. So let's go ahead and jump in with our first caller. Hello, my name is Serena, and I am a self-preservation three. Okay, if I could go back to one moment, I kind of toggle between two options because, hey, there's like a three, there's a role of like my mom role. And then there's like my other like friendship social role. And the verse is like, as a mom, there's a part of me that really wants to go back to that moment. My second daughter was born and my first daughter was meeting her for the first time. It was just like the sweetest moment And there is something that's so trippy about time. And once you have, like, as you get older, right, time goes faster because you have, like, a greater context for it. But, like, I just, it's some, there's something that's so crazy about once you have kids, how time is just that much faster. And, like, going back and looking at pictures from even just a year ago or two or three years ago, it makes me miss my kids being that little because in the moment, you try and take it in as best as you can, but it's just it's hard and you forget how, how little they are and they change so fast. So there's a part of me that like wants to re-experience just like them little again. It's typical mom answer, right? But it's like legit. That's the season of life I'm in. Okay. But then the other thing I would want to go back to is in my early twenties and my husband was like in his mid twenties, we were just like friends and we had like the best group of friends, but my husband, he would have these epic birthday parties. They were kind of like old school birthday parties where like we would order like Domino's back when it was not that legit, but like cheap and great. And then we would play like wiffle ball and it was just like classic birthday parties where we just had the best group of friends. And I remember one birthday specifically in 2008, it was like just such a fun summer and it was just such a great group of friends. And that whole day, just getting ready for my husband's birthday party. We, at one point we like took everything out of his bedroom and, and put it in his, de- like on his deck and like made his deck 
a replica of his bedroom. But then we got like so freaked out we would make him mad. So we had to put it all back before he got home. It was just like crazy, hilarious things that you just do when you're like young and, and just for a laugh. And then like just really getting competitive at different games and things and just making each other laugh so hard. Oh man, it's just, it's, it's a golden era. Like I think when you're in your like late teens, early twenties and, and like life is just social and fun and being with friends in a more carefree way. I mean, it just changes as you get older, right? In a, in a beautiful new dynamic, but, but there's something about that era that was just super fun that I'm really grateful for. And I ended up, you know, out of that group of friends, you know, one of the guys became my husband. So, you know, it it worked out well. Oh, man. All right. That was funny. We love you, Serena. Serena is a friend of ours. And yeah. and I actually just saw her over the weekend. So, yeah, that was hysterical. Um, So here, the first thing I noticed is like, there's a couple things in that that I think are, are really neat. Because she's talking about this golden era at first with her kids mm-hmm. being so young and like can come back and, you know, trying to absorb the moment now, but already missing that, like that first moment that her older daughter meets the new baby when it comes home that that does it just sounds amazing and and beautiful yeah, and yeah. like just the magic of that like living in the magic of that and then rewinding though and talking about like there is a different kind of golden era you know of her being in her 20s like running around with these friend groups and uh just like laughing and it, <laughs> i think it's pretty funny that they pulled all of dan's uh, stuff out of his bedroom, make a replica of his bedroom on the porch, but then get freaked out about these game pads and put, they it, put back it all in. back. Yeah. So it's like they didn't even live out the prank. <laughs> I know, man. I was disappointed by that. Serena, come too. on. I was like, come on. Yeah. That's he would have thought it's funny, but maybe she didn't know like yeah, yeah, where yeah. she couldn't read it. at the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I was like, that's, that's a moment you want to go. I would have appreciated it. I would have been yeah. like, well done. Yeah. That's a really good prank. Mm-hmm. You know. Now put it all now back. Now put it all back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I never thought pranks were very funny, but that that's pretty harmless and Yes, it's pretty, harmless. Yeah. Totally, totally. It's not destruction totally. of property or anything. Yeah. 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 That that was hysterical. But I I love the just the celebration of life in that moment and being able to go, that was a worth time. Because when you use your memory in that way. When you're using your memory to go back and celebrate a moment that you've experienced before, you are reliving it in a way. You are actually re-experiencing it, remembering. You are pulling that experience into your present and you're allowing a past joy to bring present joy. Mm-hmm. And you could hear that in the tone of her voice, how she told the story. Like it is a joyful thing to remember, just like the older daughter meeting the newborn. Mm-hmm. Like, like what stuck out to me about her her story is that the cherished memories become this gift that keeps on giving, that you do come back. And because we asked the question and because she thought of something that she'd want to experience again because of how beautiful it was, she's actually giving herself that gift of re-experiencing it through, through that memory and through the telling of the story. Mm-hmm. So when we tell the stories of things that we love, it does reinforce them in us and, and it is a gift. It yeah, a gift we, we do need to do more on stories because mm. the stories are, oh, there's so much to be said about it. And in some ways, stories are not representations of 
the past. They are dressed up, and our memory mm-hmm. does that. Um, yeah. But that's not, that doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's untrue. It means emotionally it's true. That's why your, your right. memory is what it is. And we can relive them, as you said, bring them into the present. Like time doesn't make sense at that level because there right. are memories that feel very present to us in this right now. And I think being able to relive them in that way is, um, as you said, is positive. Nostalgia, though, I think has its benefits, but also can be pushed too far where you yeah. remember things and you wish, oh, I remember when my child was young and right. I wish I could go back to that moment. Well, when you were in that moment, you were actually thinking, I can't wait till my kid's out of diapers. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot that you were struggling with at that yeah. moment that you were looking forward to. So, in some sense, it isn't as perfect as it as you might remember it. But it also speaks to the difficulty we have in the moments to really enjoy fully what's happening, mm-hmm. even in the struggle, to enjoy it and to live fully into it. And so there's, yeah, of course, there's a lot, lots that we learn from that. But I love the idea of, of replaying some of the old stories and mm-hmm. celebrating them with the good and with the ugly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, engaging the present with like, okay, how can I live now more fully into these moments, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the gift of that. Is there anything in that story that stuck out to you where you noticed the three? Well, I, I think that, you know, Serena's saying, you know, I, I have these roles that I play. That term mm-hmm. is very much a type three term because mm-hmm. I think threes think in terms of roles. Like I have mm-hmm. this role that I play, I have that role that I play, right? And so because of that, like every other type, none of us types live into the present. There's no, no type has an advantage. We all struggle with really being present to the moments in various different ways. And I think that Serena, you being able to recall the, the good times and, and celebrate them is really uh, a strength. It's something you can develop as a three. It's not natural. Threes tend to be much more goal-oriented and, and like achievement-oriented mm. and very little in terms of celebrating the achievements. Um, it's off to the next. And so to be able to celebrate, like, look, this moment, this moment of the past yeah, was wonderful, right? And that is so good for the soul of a three. Rebecca, I am an Enneagram three. I'm a counselor. But one moment that I would go back to is when I was 10 years old. And my grandpa, who died when I was 12, was playing harmonica. And he turned to me and he said, Rebecca, dance for me. And he played his harmonica and he wanted me to dance for him. And I just stood there and I didn't do anything. And I didn't want to make a fool of myself. And if I could go back, I would go back and dance for him with his harmonica. I remember that moment and I wish that I had joined him in that joy. Oh, Becca, your message is the first one I heard and immediately teared up uh, when I heard it because I mean, it was just such a beautiful share. I really appreciate you you sharing that. And in that moment, you know, you can I can still hear, you know, that that heart type, that experience of shame around that moment. And mm-hmm. but it's it's also there's something just really beautiful about that story. I can see it, I can picture it, I can picture the harmonica and the 10-year-old kid and you know, having a daughter who's almost 10, and I could I could see her experiencing you know that, and you know, ten-year-olds are, are funny, like some, depending on their mood, what they do. But, but just how much that stuck with you is struck me honestly as beautiful. Like I don't know that I teared up so much in in sadness, but at the at the beauty of your heart 
and the beauty of your mm. your response to to that moment because what you said right there at the end is I wish I would have joined him in that joy and mm-hmm. that just struck me as so powerful mm-hmm. you know that we a lot of times we regret something we did or but this is like that oh what I didn't do and what I didn't do was join in joy yeah yeah uh that one I don't know why but that one like really shook me yeah shook me oh, up yeah oh like, yeah that wrecked me too thank you for say for sharing this Rebecca because it speaks so much to all of us I think it Periods of time where we could have celebrated, where we could have entered into the joy of mm. life, the moment right there, right? Because that moment is no longer here, right? So there's that, and and that mm. does hurt. Um, but there are moments right now, right, that I think about, like, am I engaging fully in the moments right now? Mm. Am I entering into the dance, into the joy mm. uh, of life? It is, you know, on one hand, I think, Rebecca, I don't know your grandfather. I don't know, you know, what type he was. I don't know where his own emotional level in maturity was. But for me, I look at mine, my son, and I don't, you know, when he won't do something that I would like him to do, <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah, it's sad, but most of the time it's just like, yeah, he's a kid, you know, like right, that's yeah. the sort of response I have. And I think if that's helpful at all for you to reflect on that, like it's probably what was going through his head as well. Like, ah, she's, yeah, you know. It's okay. It's okay. She's a kid. But I understand your pain, and I feel it mm. um, because of so many moments where I think I could have entered the joy of that moment right there, and I didn't, you know. And so I deeply appreciate that. And I'm sure you're probably <laughs> entering into a lot more joy these days and probably mm. engaging more, recognizing that moments like that do pass, right? But they pass, and they teach us a lesson, yeah. And they help us to engage even more so in the present moments that are here right now where you can enter into the dance of life. Mm. And I hope you still dance. It's <laughs> good. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Madeline, and I am an Enneagram 3. If I could go back to any moment in my life, I would go back to my sophomore year of college. Um, that year, I had become a resident assistant at a Christian university and had very quickly become close friends with my coworkers. And something we would do from time to time was we, as a group of, you know, eight or so, would go play volleyball at our university gym. And volleyball is a mix of volleyball, but you're in a racquetball court. And so you can use the walls. And so I just remember it being an extremely fun time where I got to, you know, spend a couple hours playing volleyball with my coworkers. I really enjoyed the community aspect of it and being able to exercise and be competitive while I was doing it. And so I just have very fond memories of that time in my life. Uh, All right, Madeline. I don't have a lot to respond to on that, but what sticks out to me is, again, I love the idea of celebrating that time in your life. But what stuck out to me is she's talking about volleyball and it being a fun time. I'd never heard of volleyball. Have you have you heard of this? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So volleyball, but she's like she had fun, so it, it was fun. But I got good exercise and a chance to be competitive. So <laughs> yeah, we had the three. We have all three of these things going. Yes, I want to have fun, um, but I also need to exercise. There needs to be something productive about it. Oh and yeah, there needs to be something that I'm accomplishing in the middle of this fun. And there's competition. So I get to be competitive. (laughs) I get to let my three competitiveness out there as well as have fun and get exercise done. So there's like a 
yes, I'm having fun, but there's a holistic thing that feeds this part of me. Oh, man. <laughs> Question is, did you win? Did you win? Did you win more than you lost? <laughs> did you care? And I think that's like, to me, that's a lot. A lot of that is like the three at their best, though. It's like, yes, you're having fun. Mm-hmm. You're being competitive, of course, and you're accomplishing something. But are you also having fun? Because a lot of times mm-hmm. uh, when those three are on the table, like the productivity and the accomplishment and maybe the, the competitive aspect of that get engaged without having the fun, that can be like a recipe that of burnout yeah. uh, for the three. And so I, I think those three elements being like, can I find more things in my life that have all three of those elements? Then you're probably going to be enjoying yourself a bit more. Name the three again. Competitive exercise mm-hmm. is accomplishment and fun. Yeah. And the part that is a, I don't know if it's a fourth, but it's in all of that is the community piece. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? Because again, that's a thing where threes, when they're moving towards health, yeah. are much more inclusive of other people in their, not just as participating in a particular agenda or goal, but as in like, you know, I'm part of this and they are part of me and together, mm. you know, we're, we're having fun. We're engaging in this. So, yeah, those are great indications of like, I'm doing well, right? So you remember right. that and you're like, that was a good place for me. So in what way can I include those pieces right now, you know, in my life with more intentionality? But yeah, I love that. Really yeah. fun. Really cool. Yeah. So I would ask Matt, do you have yeah. something where there's community, yeah. competition, productivity or exercise, move the body, and then fun all yeah. together. Yeah. Because that's going to be something that will always create those kinds of memories for you. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Love it. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here before we got to our next caller, because one of the most important things we do at The Art of Growth is our group coaching program. And we have two groups starting next month, one called Transformational Journey for those who might be in the first few years and are trying to put together the pieces of the learning of the Enneagram, and one for people who may have been in this practice a bit longer called Integration Practices. Both groups are open to whoever feels they are right for them, but we wanted to give a little bit of that context. These start next month, and we don't want you to miss the early bird special to sign up. So go to theartofgrowth.org, and you can sign up today, or in the link that'll be in the newsletter that comes out this Thursday. Okay, let's get back to our next caller. Hi, my name is Tamara. I identify as a type three, sexual dominant type three. If I could go back to one moment in my life, I'd want to go back to my relationships previously in my life before I started my personal journey. I'd love to go back to my first marriage. Well, I'd be curious to see. I, I think in the end, it, was a, it wasn't a healthy relationship no matter what I did. And I would love to go back and revisit how I handled myself in that relationship and, and actually have it end in a much earlier time frame in a much healthier fashion. There was a lot of abuse and codependency and my inability to recognize it for what it was because I was so afraid of failure. And any time I looked at the relationship and how he was treating me and how we were treating each other, I felt like <clears throat> we just need to try harder. I needed to do better. Instead of realizing that it wasn't healthy and it was 
counterproductive and have more confidence in myself and trust my gut and all of that. So that's, I would like to go back to that time frame. There was, it was 12 to 14 years of, of my early adult life. Though I will say I have learned to appreciate where I'm at and the lessons I've learned. And I'm learning to be gentle and accepting. It's a long way to go, but it's working on it. So just being more true and authentic to myself than adjusting and adapting so much that I end up in situations that are not healthy and relationships that made me feel worse about myself. They didn't, they were not de- uh, mutually satisfying. That's for sure. Anyway, thanks, uh, Joel and Jim. And I hope you guys are doing well and have a lovely holiday. Talk to you soon. Hey, Tamara, thank you so much for sharing that story. There's some parts of that that I think any type, regardless of who you are, would resonate with wanting to go back to the past expressly for the purpose of like performing better in a situation. There are things that other people have done to us, but then our response to what people have done to us, that's the part that oftentimes we can be pretty regretful of. I, I wish I'd handled that better. I wish I had been stronger. I wish I could have said this. And I think that, again, it's part of the growth path for all of us is we have to find out all the ways that we are underdeveloped in order to continue to develop. And I think life is a way of exposing that. Oh, here's an opportunity for growth, you know, right here. Or here's another opportunity for growth. And that's what all of our experiences are like. So I appreciate what you're sharing there, Tamara, and wanting to have been, you know, looking at your own performance, your own reaction to the situation Mm. and recognizing ways that if you had been different, if you had been, uh, you know, where you are now, how you would have handled it. And now you are, and you're handling things way different than you would have in the past, but there's no other way of getting there. Right. (laughs) You know, as much as I wish that I could leapfrog, you know, some of these, you know, I had to face some of the things and recognize like, well, there's so much I didn't know that then I learn about and then later on yeah I wouldn't wouldn't do what I did or I would you know be different in that space mm. she brought up something that it's a conversation I've had with a lot of people but it has a particular flavor when it comes to the lens of the three which is this idea around failure because she brought up I didn't leave early enough I wish I would have handled myself differently and maybe ended the relationship sooner but I was afraid of failure like the yeah. relationship would be a failure but then uh, I've heard a lot of threes. I'm not saying this is where she's coming from, but there's almost where if I didn't leave early enough, then that was the failure. And so it's like this double trap, right? Because I need to do my due diligence or I'm going to feel like I failed, like the relationship failed. But then if I didn't leave soon enough, then I judge my performance based on I didn't leave soon enough. And so then I consider that to be a failure where it's really like there is no failure when it comes to this stuff. There is a, you're trying to do the best you can with where you are. The newsletter just went out, which is that whole reason for grace, which is no one's ever had to figure this out before or figured out the mystery of how to be you. No one's had to deal exactly with your situation, with your personality, with your history, with your makeup, the way you're wired. You are the only real expert in the making uh, as you're becoming stepping into your becoming. And so I completely resonate with, I think anyone would resonate with this. I wish I would have handled a situation better. I wish I would have performed better in in this situation. But the biggest influences in our lives, we had no say over, you know, our DNA, our family upbringing, which Mm. gave us our relational network, the location where we live, 
you didn't have say over. And so there are environmental factors that influenced everything that that led you into a relationship that had these, uh, the things that you mentioned, the codependency and maybe some of that enmeshment that, that so many people deal with in that first relationship. And this feel that even the the feeling like I need it to work out in a certain way or it should look a certain way when some people just aren't very compatible. They don't operate very easily together in a partnering capacity. They might in a different capacity, but not in that kind of a structure for the two of you. And so there is just so much of of that where I see people Mm. kind of evaluating. And it's like back then I would have felt like I was a failure because I left too soon. Now I feel like a failure because I didn't leave soon enough. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like letting both of those things go and being like, I had to walk through that. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that I learned from that because there are no tangents. There is no wasted lessons. Like all of it really does matter and belong. Yeah. You're a type three and type threes almost always carry the sense of relational responsibility. Um, Mm -hmm. Twos do, threes do, fours do. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in different ways. And so there's a re- responsibility that because you feel like it is my responsibility to make the changes, to support, to solve this problem, yeah. we can fix this. You know, it's always that, like, we can definitely fix this and yeah. make it better. That's a high side. But on its low side, it doesn't know the difference between um, maybe itself and other people. Sometimes it gets lost in that, like... Your response and your reaction is your response and your reaction, not mine. Like yep. You have your world, you have your thoughts, and you have your behaviors, and that is yours and your responsibility. And that is where it's difficult for hard types to always know. And I don't think that that's a weakness. I just think mm-hmm. that that's part of the process of, yeah. of growth. Because without that, the hard type, you would also not have the tremendous gifts that you have as a yeah. three. So you just acknowledge like I'm less boundaried in the heart space. I always will be. But how I can grow through that is by leveraging some of the other centers, you know, head center, body center, and mm. using them as part of the decision-making process, you know. Yeah. yeah. And you bring this up a lot of time. It's really good. This whole that you can't sometimes kill the thing that you would regret or the low side without killing the gift. Yeah. And, you know, she mentioned not, adjusting and adapting so much. Like, I wish I wouldn't have adjusted and adapted myself so much then. And I'm not adjusting and adapting myself so much now. And that being good. But it's like one of those things that like, that is also the superpower of the three that you can adapt and you can adjust in order to navigate different situations. And that's such a gift. And if that would have been killed off at that stage, you may not have been able to thrive in that gift now. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like a gift that you had that there. But as I've talked to so many different threes about, it's not about cutting off that part of you that looks outside for affirmation, um, that that performance to get that applause, that external validation mechanism. It's not about silencing your external validation mechanism. It's about including your own voice and saying, what did I think about it? Because mm-hmm. so many times people think that um, health is the opposition of what they currently are. But it's not the opposite. It's the integration. It's not just having your own voice and being able to listen to yourself, but it's the integrating of the external voice with the internal voice. Mm-hmm. And so it's like living into the gift of that adjusting and adapting. And then you're learning how to use that gift over a lifetime in mm-hmm. all of these different situations, work, relationships. And so that is such a gift 
to have that ability to adjust and adapt in a way that so many other types don't have that capacity that, yeah, it's going to take some a while to learn how to use that tool that's been put in your toolbox. Yeah. 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 It's a good thing. Yeah, thank you, Tamara, so much for sharing that. I, I love that. And I think that there's a lot of threes that'll, that'll benefit from that. So, awesome. Hi, my name is Rebecca, and I identify through the lens of a type three. I am a 56-year-old uh, adult and have been le- learning through the Enneagram um, and through the growth path of the Enneagram for about three or four years now. And if I could go back to a time in my life, in a moment, I think that moment would be on my fifth birthday. I was remember being woke up from a nap at my grandmother's house and going outside. And I don't know that I remember realizing that it was my birthday and coming outside to a swing set outside that was there for me. I was the oldest child, oldest grandchild on both sides of my family. So it was a really big deal. And I just remember feeling um, so loved and that's my why. Just knowing my grandmother was there, my grandparents, my both my parents, lots of family, feeling very loved and warm and not judged, not shamed, not just pure love feeling in that day, in that moment. And I believe it, you know, it's just who the world, who I was before the world told me who to be, right? <laughs> so that's why. And um, I really would love to see my grandparents again. All right. I'd love to just know how many type threes are Rebecca's because I know at least several. It is fascinating. Type threes who are named Named Rebecca. Rebecca. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think that is a magical story, Rebecca. I, I think about how you mentioned a few things that are so beautiful because it is the starting point where there is no sense of loss from anything, Mm. where you walk outside at five years old and you see a swing set and it's a gift for you that you did not earn. Mm. You didn't do anything for it. It, it It was a gift. And you mentioned knowing it was purely love that you were experiencing, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness, how beautiful that is. Like, that is that is the picture of the three prior to the sort of sense at which they now have to earn everything and eke out, you know, an existence um, trying to achieve and, you know, accomplish goals. So that's beautiful. It's one of the things you want to keep coming back to. Like, can I, not as a thing of where I'd like to go back there. Right. Because there is no going back to the point prior to that experience of the awakening, you know, Carl Jung would talk about that's the awakening moment when you first have your big wound. Like, oh no, I do have to earn this, right? Prior to that, you can actually, you still have that within you. You still have that moment there. And so the practice of every three really is the practice of receptivity. Things do come my way. Without me earning it. But how do I see it? And then how do I receive it? Mm. And I think that is why I love this story so much is because it captures that moment before then. And I love that quote, of course. Uh, yeah, who I, who was, I was before the yeah. world told me who I who to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right, because that's that moment. That's that moment where it's like, oh, that innocent, I can 
totally take in love. I can totally, you know, feel it, experience it, you know, at that moment of what the world told me, how to be who I was, where that shifted, where that changed, where mm. the loss of that innocence, the loss of the, of, of that whole self, you know, yeah. takes place. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she talked about like her grandparents being a source of that. Yeah. And, you know, it was why I'd want to see them again because it's like, yeah, because so often the three, yeah, I have this, I'm just loved and receiving love home. But it's as soon as I go out in the world, love comes through earning. So it's like, I go out to where the rules change. And now I have to face this. It's just like, well, now I have to look a certain way. Now I have to perform a certain way. And I need to, and it is about my, you know, my performance, but this is like the opposite of performance is play. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways. So it's like this play, this celebration of just going, I can, I just get to be, I just get to play. I'm just loved. And what I think I would want every three to hear is like, okay, so that's still in you. That's still part of you. How do you pull that? And if you have an example, like the story, beautiful, but pull that into the present, pull that into the now, mm -hmm. pull that into like, well, okay, so how, what would it look like now? You know, to ask yourself, you know, she said, if, you know, 50, uh, ask yourself at 50, what is play like for me now? What does it look like for me to play now? What does it mm -hmm. look like for me to just receive, you know, pure love and to celebrate and even meditate on love without agenda that I've previously received. And I think that's a great thing to meditate on for a three. It's like, where do I have moments that I can recall mm -hmm. where I received love without agenda? Yeah. Like your your grandparents, in one sense, you could say my grandparents are gone. And I would love to go back to that, that mm. moment. But maybe switch that around and think about it this way. Your grandparents are everywhere. And swing sets are everywhere. <laughs> But the question is, can you see it? Mm. They aren't gone. They're here. They're present. But they show up in different forms all around you. And that's really difficult to do for all types to see that, that that's present. But when you start to see it, oh, man, yeah, it, it's a game changer. Because then you can then then you you wrestle with that. Oh, they're still here. They're not gone. Mm in different forms of course in the love of a of that's come my way that i didn't expect a gift that came my way that i didn't expect and now can you can you take it in can you mm -hmm. really really receive it so yeah and will you continue the story with you know your grandbaby turning five and maybe come out and there's something waiting for them there where you give them that experience as well of just pure love and, and joy. And then you actually get to receive in the giving oh, as yeah. you pass it along and are part of the continuation of that story. And then it becomes almost like a part of the family legacy. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine giving like I'm giving because isn't it, isn't it wonderful to receive? Mm -hmm. you know, like, like there's a different spirit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Carry on, Rebecca. Yeah. It's going to be good. So thank you so much for joining us today. If you're new here, we have a lot of resources on our website, theartofgrowth.org. You can take a free Enneagram test, a free instincts test. 
You can also sign up for a one-on-one coaching session or a discovery session to figure out your type. If you want a little bit more certainty and coaching around next steps for your where you are right now. And that's also the place to sign up for the two group coachings that start next month. But for now, my friends, may you continue to be a student of your story to reflect on the memories that have stayed with you because your whole system felt they were important. And as you become more of a student of those stories, you will start to see the growth that those stories are whispering to you. Lean in this week, my friends. Grace and growth.